y'all. Welcome back to the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast, a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome, you're wanted. I'm your host, Blake Guichet, and every week I'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at, the ways Christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not, and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. Y'all, today's guest is nothing short of incredible, and I cannot wait for y'all to hear from her. Holly Hayes is an award-winning author, a recovery ministry expert, and the founder and CEO of The Sanctuary Project a community of advocates who bring hope and healing to survivors of trafficking, violence, and addiction. All of these things being a part of Holly's story, which she's going to share with us. It is so powerful and so challenging, and I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. Holly, hi. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful to be here. Yes. Okay. So, I just introed you, but to start out, you have to tell us your story. I know it is an incredible journey that is probably impossible to tell in Cliff Notes, but I cannot wait to hear it. So <laughs> take all the time you need. Yeah. So um, I grew up in California. I didn't grow up in, in a family with any kind of faith or anything. So growing up, I really uh, didn't know where to find my identity. And uh, the world will tell you that being cool is kind of the 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 way to, to find your identity. And so I, um, I set out to be cool in high school, which meant drinking and doing drugs <laughs> at the, at, at my high school anyway. Um, and so I, um, so I started drinking and doing drugs pretty young, like at age 14 oh, wow. and then, um, yeah. And then my parents got divorced that summer after my freshman year in high school and things really spiraled out of mm-hmm. control for me around that time. So what had kind of started as this, like, oh, I'm just going to fit in and be a part of what everyone's doing. And um, I was a cheerleader. And so it was like after the football games and it was all very kind of wholesome America, you know, partying. And Mm -hmm. then it turned really dark for me pretty fast. Um, So I actually started drinking and doing drugs every day by the time I was 15. And um, yeah, I ended up dropping out of high school when I was 16, because I I really couldn't focus on school anymore. It had gotten so bad. Um, I uh, started getting arrested pretty regularly and ended up getting into abusive relationships around that time as well. Um, I had my first abortion when I was 16 and, and over over the years ended up having four more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there were just unthinkable traumas during that time. There were, there were rapes and car accidents and, um, horrible abusive situations. And, um, all the while I, I, I couldn't find a way out from that addiction. And I sort of knew that the, that if I could just stop drinking and doing drugs, that maybe the rest of it would sort itself out. But mm-hmm. I really found myself in this a never ending cycle where I couldn't live without the drugs and alcohol, but I also knew I couldn't live with them. Like I knew that this was going to lead to just ultimate destruction. And, um, I ended up meeting a guy when I was 19 who I thought was going to be my savior. Mm. Uh, his name wasn't Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, and, and he, he seemed like he kind of had his life together and he was so cool and, 
Um, and I, and I thought he wanted to take care of me and, um, and that relationship got abusive pretty early on. And, and then after we'd been together for a few months, he, uh, he suggested that I, um, he suggested that I was, uh, that my sexuality was very valuable mm-hmm. and, um, and that he would arrange men for me to sleep with and that, that he would take payment for that in exchange for taking care of me and, mm-hmm. and giving me a place to live and giving me the drugs and alcohol that I needed at that point. So, um, at the time I didn't realize that I was being trafficked, but that was what ended up happening. Um, I, <laughs> I actually was a little bit too much of an alcoholic and an addict at that point to even really be able to successfully be trafficked. So I, oh. I, I like to joke that I actually failed at prostitution. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> which, yeah, you would think that the lowest you can go in society is uh, prostitution, but I went one lower and, <laughs> and actually didn't show up for the jobs that he lined up for me and ended up getting kicked out of his home and, um, and ended up homeless by the mm-hmm. time I was 21. So I really hit a, a spiritual and emotional and physical and mental bottom at, mm-hmm. at the age of 21. And I was on the floor of a public bathroom and um, three words just fell out of my mouth. I said, God, help me. Mm. And I'd never believed in God. I never had any experience with God. If people said the word God, I ran or uh, mm. made fun of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But somehow when I was in that pit and on the floor of that that dirty public bathroom, the, the only words that, that I could think to say were, God, help me. Um, that, that night, a few hours later, I ended up meeting someone who got me into a recovery program, uh, got me away from that, that man who had been selling me. And, um, and I have been sober since that day, which is wow. it'll be 18 years this February. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. So pretty miraculous. This God just flooded in, rushed yeah. in and completely transformed my life in, in one moment in one prayer. Um, and really all it took for me was just a, a surrender. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And I mean, three words, God three help words. me. And he was yep. like, I'm in. Here I yeah. come. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. It's almost like he was just praying over me for so many years and, and somehow just like waiting for that moment when all of heaven built up around me Ugh. and I, and I ran out of words and, and those three words could fall out of my mouth and, and, it, and then all of heaven was able to rush in and, I and have rush like to, full body to chills. That's... You know, what's funny. I do too. It's, it never gets old. Uh-uh. <laughs> like, no. I mean, I tell my story a lot now and, um, but it never gets old because, um, because what God has done and what God, not just in my life, because by the way, I know hundreds of people who have the same story. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's, and, but what, what God does in, in a life when we really just ask or let him in, it's remarkable. It's, it's chill, it's chill bump worthy. And that, that's and, uh, all he and never wants. get tired of it. Oh yeah. That's, that's his greatest desire. That is his He's greatest just desire. Sitting around, like all of heaven is sitting around basically waiting for people to say, God help me. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite things I've heard you say is that God is in the business of rescuing, redeeming, and restoring broken lives and hearts. Absolutely. And I mean, that is... It's his full-time job. That is his full-time job. And that is a mission statement if I've ever heard one. That, right? Like, can we all just have that be our like business and life mission statement? I love that. When you said that, I imagined Jesus at like a leadership summit and they were like, what is your mission statement? And Jesus was like, I am in the business of rescuing, restoring, and redeeming broken lives and broken hearts. And, and that was, nothing oh, is good. too broken. Like, <laughs> like yep. no yeah. one is too far. No one is yeah. unreachable. Um, 
So yeah, you're... nothing's too small on the other side too. Because exactly. I think sometimes we're like, oh yeah, he's in the business of restoring and redeeming those big, big broken things. But but we have to remember too that he's also in the business of restoring those little teeny itty bitty things, those 100%. little niggly things that are just like, oh, but God wouldn't care about the fact that I, you know, have this hangnail or whatever. Right. Um, you know? <laughs> Um, or whatever our equivalent is of what we think would be a hangnail, you know, that, that, that little, that little struggle in our marriage or that little struggle in our thought life. Like he's in the business of restoring those things too, just those little itty bitty things. Cause he wants our whole heart. Mm -hmm. He wants us completely restored and redeemed. And how often we don't even bring those things to him. Right. I know. Because we think he's so busy saving addicts off of a bathroom floor. Exactly. No, exactly. I don't bring things to him because of exactly what you just said. There are bigger, more important things. And talk about putting God in a box. Right? I like, mean, because either he is everything and he is everywhere and he is omnipresent and omnipotent or he's not the God that we worship, right? Yeah, and he's and so, only capable of, of rescuing and right. restoring the most broken Right. But imagine if like that same love and that, that he had for me in that moment of like, I'm going to take this completely lost life and completely restore it to wholeness. Imagine if in that, in that same way, in that, with that same power that he rushed in to save me off the bathroom floor, that he wants to rush in to save you when you're having struggles with your two-year-old yes. or, you know, like that he actually has that same deep care and and passion for for rescuing and restoring and redeeming that fight with your husband yes. or, that, or that struggle in your career um, that he actually cares that much that all of heaven is waiting for you to say god help me just in those little moments yes that he is sovereign and big enough to be as present in the bathroom floor moments as he is in the on my knees trying to rationalize with my four-year-old moment yes yes, and cares about them equally I mean it's it's insane yeah isn't that incredible to (laughs) think about you're really stepping into that space with people and coming alongside them in their brokenness and helping guide them towards that healing which is which you do a lot of that through that the sanctuary project right yeah so tell us a little bit about that Yeah. So I started Sanctuary Project back in February and I had been for a lot of years walking with women coming out of trafficking and violence and addiction, just as a mentor and as a friend. And um, I've been in recovery programs for that for a lot of years, first, first for my own healing, but then to actually walk with other people over the years. Um, And, uh, you know, in my experience, the best way to actually truly completely heal is, is to walk with someone else and help Mm. them heal. And there's just so much that you learn in that process. But um, because I'd been a mentor for so long, I've, I really started to see the needs and the gaps and the things that there were not a lot of resources for. And, um, and one of those things was really community and employment Mm. um, that, I, I just started to dream of this place where where girls could come together in community who had been through similar things and um, and do life together and work mm-hmm. together and and to create this this company where this is this is my mission statement <laughs> where you're allowed where you're allowed to cry at work. Yes. And oh I, my gosh, I love that. 
<laughs> that was like kind of the biggest thing was like, I want to create a place where you're allowed to cry at work. I want to create a place where you're allowed to, um, to dance if you're feeling joyful and you're allowed to cry or, or shout if you're feeling upset and where you're allowed to be your messy, beautiful, wonderful masterpiece of a self. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had seen, I visited anti-trafficking ministries in Southeast Asia that, um, that were doing what we do with Sanctuary Project, which is making jewelry. Mm-hmm. And so I'd seen this work in Southeast Asia. I'd seen girls coming out of brothels there and getting together in communities and making jewelry. And I saw that, that the act of making jewelry was actually really meditative mm-hmm. and that there's this, um, there's something that happens in the brain when you're just sitting quietly um, working inter- intricately on something, focusing on that. It's um, it's like you can't really think about anything else because you right. need to focus just on, on your the mind details of quiet. that. Yeah, your mind slows down and then you're just making beautiful things mm-hmm. all day long. So the girls literally just have pieces spread out in front of them and then they take those pieces and they make beautiful things. Oh so what a great reminder too of what God is doing with our lives oh constantly. Gosh. Taking all these pieces and and putting them together into these beautiful things. And so it's just the greatest joy in my life to get to walk with these girls and, um, and to make jewelry with them. It's meditative for me. It's funny. The other day I had a really stressful day at work and I'm sitting there. Um, and my assistant and I were working through some stuff like marketing things and stuff. And I had jewelry piles sitting in front of me and I was like, can I just make jewelry right now? (laughs) (laughs) I just really, she's like, no, we need to get done with this first Holly. And then you can make jewelry. (laughs) And then you can kind of zone out. (laughs) But it's, it's true. It's like this meditative thing that I even crave, um, you know, at the, at the end of a long day, I'm like, oh, I just want to sit and make necklaces. Cause it's just so, it's just so soothing and calming and, and just brings so much peace. And, and then the girls really get to take ownership of it as well and feel like this pride of, I made something, I made something beautiful. And, um, and we're all in community with each other. So we're all in different places. Some of our girls are a couple of years out of that life and, Mm -hmm. and some are 30 days out, you know, and so it's, and, and everything in between. So getting to walk with each other and, um, and, you know, at any, given moment we're able to pull each other up um if someone's down we can we can pull them up and um and and also be down with them if we need to be so it's a real great gift we just will will link to the to your sanctuary project in the show notes so that anybody that wants to shop i have a i have another friend that does that in southeast asia i love that there are so many organizations working abroad but we really felt called to um, to talking about what this looks like here in America, because mm-hmm. it's happening here. It happened to me oh here. It's happened to all our girls here. And sometimes we think of it as an over there problem, but this is a here problem and a now problem. Absolutely. And, and we need to be working in our communities with girls who are right here in our own communities. And so, um, so I, I just love being able to kind of talk about what trafficking looks like here because mm-hmm. it's a little different. Oftentimes it it's linked to addiction the way the way mine was, or it's linked to violence. Um, and it's a little different than it's not always poverty driven. Sometimes it is, right. um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that here, but, but, um, but sometimes it's just linked to girls with low self-esteem and a guy coming along and saying, you're valuable. And, and it was really the first brainwashing. Time... Yeah. But it was the first time I heard I was valuable. Mm. It was really interesting. Like when I, um, when, when, when my trafficker said to me, Hey, we could get this amount of money for you. Mm. Um, 
it was it actually made my made me feel valuable because it gave you like an intrinsic value yeah I thought my sexuality had no value I thought I had no value right but someone for the first time was saying you have value it's this much money um we can men will pay for you because you're so special Mm -hmm. and so what I was battling was yes there was the brainwashing and there was the manipulation and there was the the fraud and the coercion but there was also just this innate sense in myself to feel like I have value. Right. And, and because I didn't have anyone telling me that around me, um, when he said that it really, um, it actually made me, uh, it felt like a deep truth almost, mm. where it was like, yes, I am valuable. I do have value. When I and think that God has created us that, to, we are always craving worth and value, but it's absolutely. to drive us to him. Right. And how right. often does it drive us? I mean, anywhere else, anywhere else, any (laughs) other option. And even once you've bought in, even once you've you're all in on Jesus, know your worth is in him. Your brain still will fish off and try to find worth in Instagram and in your motherhood and in your marriage. And so Mm -hmm. it's that's just a like human nature that the enemy lassos and uses to pull us all over the place. That's so true. It's so true. It's part of the human condition that we're prone to wander and and seek our value and our identity anywhere else. Uh, but once we have it in Him, gosh, what a gift! Because uh, because then we really realize how incredibly priceless we are, mm. and, and and that then every bit of our lives feels like it has value. So even yes. those those messy, icky, ugly parts that I would think I need to hide in order for society to say I have value. In him, they have they have infinite value, and he's so and, capable of redeeming and sanctifying them, and making yeah. even those things look like him. I'm in the I, the I, I say all the time, my twenties were a process of learning to love this like loud, opinionated, vocal personality type that, when unsanctified, was pretty brash and harsh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when Jesus gets his hands on it, now I'm just loud for the kingdom. Now I'm just yeah. loud for women's self-worth, which is exactly the way he created me. Isn't that incredible? Yes. It's, um, yeah. I always say when we come to Christ, you become a you-er you, the yes. you you. Oh know? my gosh, it's like I love that. He takes, yeah. He takes everything that we are in, innately. Um, and for me, it's like, I've always been achievement focused and, and really driven and, and want, um, you know, accolades, applause, those kinds of things. And, um, and, you know, and when, when I came to Christ, he was like, okay, like, I like that in you. I'm going to use that. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do some big things for my kingdom with that. Yes. When it's unredeemed, it's like, oh, I want, I want to chase fame or I want to chase, um, approval from people where once it's in Christ, it's like, no, I want to chase doing big things for God's kingdom. Yes. It's so cool. It's it's just amazing to watch how he redeems every little bit of even our personalities. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. He's not surprised by our personalities. (laughs) Which is hard, I think, for anybody to lean into, even people who are naturally quiet and meek and are way more happy in the wings making things happen. I, I watch even friends that have those personality types struggle to lean into that. Like, it's all hard. It doesn't mean if you're, it doesn't matter if you're loud it's or you're true. quiet or <laughs> what. Like, it's all hard because we we're constantly surrounded by the world telling us that we're not good enough the way that we are. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that's like, uh, that's a lie. And come here, yeah. I have all of the truth because I created you. 
Yes. <laughs> so <amen. laughs> that was the best tangent ever. I want to get back to like you and what you're doing. Um, yeah. So you mentioned earlier, I know you're super passionate about teaching people that very specific prayer of God help me, which yeah. is so powerful. And I said that earlier, like I need that in my life, even from mm-hmm. my very comfortable bubble. I find it difficult to ask God for help, even though I know that he is this all knowing, kind never-ending flow of help I think you said like you just said we believe that God that asking God for help is reserved for those who like quote-unquote need it yeah and so was praying that prayer like in that bathroom moment and and in the moments that followed did you find it difficult or was it just this natural outflow of that's all I've got left like God help me yeah. And it, for me in that moment, it definitely was, that was all I had left. Right. And it's, and I think it's easy to pray that prayer when that's all you have left. Mm-hmm. And we usually let ourselves get to the end of our rope before we're like, okay, God, now you help me. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Fine. Um, <laughs> so in that moment, it was really easy. In that moment, it was surrender. In that moment there, I had no other options. Um, and so it was really easy to pray that prayer. God help me. But just like you now today, I, um, I'm, I'm a lot better at life than I was mm-hmm, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I was homeless on that bathroom floor. And I tend to think I got this, like I can mm-hmm. do it in my own strength. Right. And right. I don't think that consciously, but I will push and fight and like, and okay, like I'm going to manage my schedule. I'm going to manage this project. I'm going to manage this, you know, these, this team of people the you know, this business. And I will forget that my default actually every day needs to be that posture of God help me Yes, because if I'm trying to do anything in my own strength, I know where it's going to lead ultimately. Like ultimately I'm going to end up on the floor of some bathroom somewhere (laughs) (laughs) at the end of myself. If I keep going in that direction for too long. Right. And I think we all have bathroom floor moments, you know, where it's like, whether it's with your kids or in your marriage or in your business, like if we're trying to do it in our own strength, at some point we're going to end up on the bathroom floor. And I have tried to make a practice of just sort of every day, um, really knowing my weakness and Mm. really leaning into it. Um, scripture tells us that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, which means that when we come to him with a God help me, his strength is made perfect. Right. And so in some ways it's like, I almost love giving myself tasks that are too big for my, you know, for, Mm. for my capacity, like, Oh, I'm going to start a nonprofit. That's also a for-profit and also run a ministry and like, I can't do it. I can't do it no. without God. Right? right. And so every day there's this leaning into him of like, I can't do it. God help me. And, and when we can come to him with that, with that posture of, I can't do it. God help me. Whether it's in our marriages in our parenting in our work in our, even in like our Christianing, right? Exactly. Um, I, I just made that a verb <laughs> in our Christianing. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, we can't do it. We can't mm-hmm. do it well enough. We can't devotional enough. We mm-hmm. can't, um, we can't pray well enough. We can't help people well enough. But if we can come to him with that posture of Lord, I can't Christian well enough for you for help me, help yes. me, help me to and be the person you need me to be. That is, I mean, that is the heart of the podcast. The verse you just quoted is the verse for the podcast is oh, I love it. in yeah. our weakness. His power is made strong and perfect and mm-hmm. m- even so much more evident. And that's 
I mean, that's why I'm having what I'm having people on every week to talk about is the things that they can't do well enough because there's nothing. There's nothing we can do well enough. And when we can learn to boast in our weakness, there's actually this power in it because like even you boasting in your weakness that like, oh, I'm too loud. I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm too achievey, you know? Right. You know? Like as soon as we, as soon as we um, start to boast in our weakness with one another, then it opens up this window for like, we can all just boast in our weakness. Yes. We can all actually talk about those things that are blocking us from God. And then nobody and, has to feel alone. Yeah. And it's not scary anymore. I think sometimes as Christians, we forget that like God is bigger than all of it. And we get so scared of weakness and we get so scared of sin. And we Mm. tend to think like, oh no, that person is like fallen so far. Well, there's no too far for God. There's no such thing. There is no point where God is afraid of our sin. There is no point where he is, where he's afraid of our weakness. There is no too weak for him. There is no too far gone for him. He never, ever, ever is trembling (laughs) at someone's life. Yes. Um, And so I think as Christians, if we can actually start to talk about our, our weakness, our sin, our brokenness in ways that are, um, where we're not afraid of them mm-hmm. and we're not afraid for other people when they're in sin or when they're in weakness, we actually can, can start to heal and build each other up from that place. And take the, take the power back from it. That Absolutely. when we're keeping it in the dark, it has so much more power. It's true. And it actually does give Satan power when we're afraid of it. Yes. I mean, if we're saying like, oh my gosh, like this is the deepest shame. Satan loves that. He's like, like yeah, yeah, it for sure yes, is. You need to never tell anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, as soon as we bring it into the light, then Jesus is like, yep, that's on the cross. That's already mm. been trampled. That, that sin is underfoot. Yep. Um, it's, I, I am, I am working it all, all together. All for to your my good. glory. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but I think we, we have to be careful. Sometimes in Christian community, we get so there's certain sins we're so afraid of, um, mm. you know, someone having premarital sex, um, homosexuality, and, um, and, and all those things are sin. Like, don't get me wrong. Right, but, like, I believe that sin, but we can't be afraid of sin. We have the remedy for sin. Right. So we actually have, um, we, we have the power to overcome sin and death through Jesus Christ and his, right. his work on the cross. Right. So there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Instantly. And I think that sometimes people misunderstand fear for judgment. Yeah. Like, I think there are probably people listening that are like, well, I'm not afraid of premarital sex. I'm not afraid of homosexuality. It's just wrong. Right. Well, maybe, maybe you're afraid of it. Maybe you're yeah. afraid of its power over like someone that you're doing life with and it's just manifesting as judgment yeah and I think that's a really good point because judgment actually like where does that come from like if we believe God is judge which Mm -hmm. he is Mm -hmm. (laughs) then we don't actually need to sit on a judge's seat ever we actually can just operate in mercy and let him be judge exactly and and sure we can guide people if we see friends in sin that doesn't mean that we don't lovingly help them uh, corrected if, uh, but, but, but I think sometimes what I've seen is that we tend to, to approach it like, oh my gosh, this person's in sin. We've got to pray. We need, to, you know, and like, we need to get a, an accountability group and we need to have an intervention. Like, yes. And like we rebuke Satan on their life. And it's like, yes, you know, but let's also not be afraid of it to that degree where we, let's just talk about what, like, we're all, we're all sinners. Where you end and up just pushing them news. away with all of that. 
Right. All of that just ends up isolating them from community. And I've seen it happen so many times where, um, you know, I, I deal with girls, obviously, who are still walking in sin in a mm-hmm. lot of ways and mm-hmm. their sexual addiction, they're still walking through their, um, you know, there's their, uh, we recently had to walk through an abortion with one of our girls and, and, and this stuff is not easy to walk through that, you know, with them, but, but there's a way that we can actually do that where if we're not afraid of their sin and we actually can just point them to the one who redeems sin, mm. there's an opportunity for them to have a really good experience with Jesus mm-hmm. and a really good experience with Christians and a really good experience with the church where a lot of times our, our impulse is like, that's t- too much sin. We've got to sever that. We, we can't agree with it. So we need to push them away. But if we actually can can look at how Jesus approached sin, which was he wasn't afraid of it, mm-hmm. he walked right up to it and mm-hmm. he redeemed it. Dang. And and we actually have an opportunity to do that with yes. people. We can actually walk right up to them while they're in their sin, walk with them in it, through it, to the other side of it, and be and partner with Jesus in the redemptive work. Um and and what a what a glorious testimony then they get to have on the other side of like. Christians were the ones that walked with me through oh, this. Jesus, Jesus was made real to me through, um, through the church, through Christians, through, um, through loving acts from loving people. I think that and, that might be like the deepest cry of my heart is that mm-hmm. people's experiences with Christians looked like Christ instead yeah. of Christians. I, mean, I had a conversation yeah. with a friend this weekend, and she's telling me the things that that believers are telling her, and I'm like getting ragey i'm like trying not to scream into the phone because i'm like jesus never said that or that or that he would have never talked to you about it like this and you're out you know you're out there trying to be jesus to people and people are being pharisees back and you're like yeah stop this is hard enough this is hard enough like I and I told her, yeah, it's hard enough to be countercultural as a Christian right, exactly. and actually be following Christ without like having to contend with the people um, that should be on PR your team. That the church has gotten right. <laughs> I was telling her, it, I get it. Like I, it's hard enough to to ask someone to buy in on an immaculate conception and a perfect mm-hmm. life and a death on a cross that means that we get to be in eternity with Him and that all of our sins died on that cross. That's hard for a lot yeah. of people to conceptualize. And then you've got people walking it out that just make it look horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if, yeah. And uh, totally. And girls. But same. then we get to, sh- <laughs> right. We get to show up and be like, I am a crappy Christian. I do not have it all together. Here is my story. Here are the things that I am currently walking through. And your sin is no greater, less than mine. Absolutely. And that Jesus wants to step into that just as much as he wanted to step into my life. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a Jesus that is so attractive that at least for me, because I met him in scripture, I had a stolen Bible and read that. And that's how I met him. (laughs) Um, So, so I didn't meet Christians first. I met Jesus first and that, and that Jesus was so appealing that I was able to believe immaculate conception, death on a cross, resurrection, all of the things that, um, that you kind of, you know, need to buy into. It was really easy for me to buy into those things because gosh, with how loving he was, there had to have been so much supernatural miraculous around it for him to love me that much. Um, the, the love itself was the most miraculous of all those things. Mm, Absolutely. I love that, that you met Jesus before you met Christians. I mean, what a, what, right. What a perfect, (laughs) 
Like, that is the perfect world. Can yeah. I just introduce everyone to Jesus before they have to go to church, before they have and to? And that is the perfect world, but it's not most people's experience. So we've right. got to make sure they're meeting Jesus through us. Yes. We've got to make sure that we're loving them the way he does and the way he would. And, and uh, that means never leaving them or forsaking them. Mm-hmm. That means actually like loving them into relationship with God. Um, and that means actually uh, partnering with them in the redemptive work that, that God wants to do in yes. their lives and hearts. Absolutely. So. To circle back around to kind of this concept of help, what mm-hmm. are, since that is something that you're so actively walking in, I mean, your day-to-day is is walking in aid with people. What are some yeah. of the practical ways you found people can walk towards healing and help since those first steps, I feel like, are so hard? Yeah. So I am a huge fan of, um, of recovery groups. Mm. Um, that was my first experience. Like God rescued me off that bathroom floor and immediately put me around other people who were recovering from the same thing I was recovering from, from alcoholism and addiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and by default also violence and oftentimes trafficking and and all of the things that kind of go along with, um, being in a lifestyle of addiction. And what I found in that community was kind of, you know, it's what we've been talking about, but there was this community of people who got together and shared about their brokenness and shared about everything that had gone on in their lives to get them to that point, but not just their brokenness, also their victories Mm. and, um, and their questions and their challenges and, and their, um, and their joys and their pains. And it was this place where it was like, okay, to be like, totally questioning if God even existed. And then in the same breath saying, but I'm alive because God is miraculous. Right. It it was this place where it was like, and we met in the basements of churches. We meet in the basements of churches, depending on where you live, I guess. Like, um, and, and so I've written this book called from basement to sanctuary, because we talk a lot about, um, like, how can we be uh, more transparent as Christians? How can Mm -hmm. we be more authentic? Um, and I think what happens in the basements of churches is a really clear and perfect example of that in these recovery meetings, because it's a bunch of people sitting around and really bringing their honest selves before God mm-hmm. and each other. And um, and then you have people at all different stages and 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 walks in their faith. Right. So there's people who are, um, you know, at this point, I'm 18 years in this new life. And so I'm able to mentor other people and walk with them and pull them up and share my experience and strength and hope with them. And then there's people who are two days, you know, out of their addiction and they're coming in so beat down and broken. Mm -hmm. And I need them just as much as they need me. Absolutely. Because I need to be reminded that that's still in me and that is still me by, you know, but, but for the grace of God. Right. Um, and so it's this beautiful melting pot of the human condition, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of whatever you're in, like whatever struggle you're in, find a group of people to walk it out with. So if it's like, if you're struggling being a mom, find a mom's group. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, find an eating disorder group. If you're struggling with infertility, find an infertility group. If you're struggling with addiction, find an addiction group. I think being around other people who are walking it out with you is just the most vital first step. And, um, and then you get to move into helping other people. Like, you know, uh, I think like once we're, once we're healed enough, um, that we can actually start to, to pull other people up and out of what they're in. That's where, that's where the real transformation takes place because you actually see how God has used all of that pain for his glory. Yes, And that's, um, you know, that's the greatest joy of my life today is, is walking with, 
these girls, um, women who have, um, are in such pain. And I'm able to say, I've been there. Me too. God has redeemed every bit of it. And it makes all of that pain worth it to see the relief in their eyes when they hear that God has done it for me and can do it for them too. Yes, absolutely. I just had someone on a couple weeks ago that talked about their eating disorder and that she Mm -hmm. has had victory in that. And that, that is, that is the most healing is stepping up beside people and saying God is just as good in your life as he is in mine he wants the same victory for you and I mean I'm I'm pretty open on like my social media and everything about my my experience with anxiety and Mm. that I went from having a panic attack every single day to I haven't had a panic attack in months and some of that is medication yeah. Which yeah. God created and gave us, and I'm all for. He gives revelation to doctors. Like, I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm telling you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have friends who are in that profession who are scientists and who are doctors, and they pray, and they ask the Holy Spirit for revelation, and he gives it. So, yes. yeah, God can work through those things for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And that, that is, that, you know, that's another form of of needing help that I think we can shy away from sometimes is mm-hmm. sometimes you need medical intervention. Absolutely. And that's what I think is really important about being in community too. Cause there are times when I think it's important that we pray for healing and just believe for God to heal someone. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband recently got hearing aids and it was, so he has like 90% hearing loss. And we were, um, we, we were in, in community for a long time in our marriage where people were just praying and believing for healing, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, but recently our pastor was like, Jeff, go get hearing aids. <laughs> and and it was like the most, it's been the most wonderful gift because I'm, ex- we're experiencing healing yes. through that. Like, yes. you know, he's experiencing exactly. healing in his hearing and, and we're experiencing healing in our marriage. And there's such healing that's come from him just going and getting hearing aids. And so I think like there's, there's a time to believe God for a miraculous deliverance and healing. And there's a time to go to a doctor yes. and get a hearing aid and get uh, medication, get, Zoloft, for get yes. whatever, you know, <laughs> get, like get the treatment you need. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, it's just another form of asking for help that mm-hmm. I think we, and it takes vulnerability. With. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it would have been so much easier for my husband to just sort of like hide in church and hope that God was going to miraculously heal him. Mm-hmm. But it took, it took real humility and a swallowing of his pride to go to a hearing doctor, get it tested, and now to wear hearing aids every yes. day because he has to live in that weakness, right? right. Absolutely. And, um, but it's been so amazing to see how that strengthened him because mm. now he's, well, first he's able to hear. so <laughs> Which is a win. <laughs> Which is a win. Um, but yeah, just to see how that that vulnerability has brought such joy. And, yes. And I think that's always the case. It's like we're scared to actually make that leap. We're scared mm-hmm. to actually admit that something is broken. But once we do, man, that's when God can flood in and do his work. And use us to do his work. Yeah. You know, like him, him taking that step to be vulnerable. You know, I'm sure that he is going to come in, in contact with somebody else who's experiencing hearing loss and has been struggling Absolutely. through it. And can, he can be like, dude, go get hearing aids. Yes, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> God will use him the same way as me choosing to go get medication and then be vocal about being on medication. I've had multiple messages come through of people like, I finally went to the doctor because you made it less scary. 
Absolutely. But, and you know, it, yeah. And, and same for me with the, with the 12 step recovery groups. You exactly. Know? There's this like, Oh, those are those people kind of idea. And it's like, no, it's everyone, you right. know, like there's no, there is no set type that's in, that's in those basement recovery meetings. Right. Like if you need, if, if you're struggling with any kind of addiction, like you're, you're going to find the hope you need there. And I have had so many people reach out and be like, gosh, I never would have considered actually going. I would have thought I, I'm not so bad. My situation's right. not, you know, but then they find so much hope and healing and actually yes. going and getting that treatment. So it's like, we choose to get help. We choose to ask for help, which requires vulnerability. God steps in and gives us what we need. And then we do the same for other people. It's we, amazing. It is. It's incredible. It's the most amazing like circle of life. Isn't it beautiful that he wants to use us in that way too? I mean, he could just swoop in and be the hero of right? every single person's story, but he wants to use us. He loves us so much. He wants to use us and other people's story. I love it so much. This has been the best conversation. Oh I my know. gosh. But we're Let's at hang out of, all the time. Yes. This is so fun. Let's just like Skype all the time. We don't yeah. have to record it. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are at the end of the show where we do kind of some rapid fire questions just okay. for my people to get to know you just a little bit better. Um, what is your Enneagram number? Oh, I'm a three. You I'm are a hard three. three. The but whole I'm time a, you were I'm talking. I'm a three with a two wing. So yes. I'm like, I want to win at helping people. Right. At which you are. <laughs> great. You're doing a great job. Like, I will achieve the most at helping all the people. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, and I'm an eight. And so female, oh, so that, yeah, the female eights thing. and threes, like, find each other. Yeah, man. And I love a good old redeemed eight. Man, because yes. you guys are like. You, the word of God, truth, like you will preach. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. Christine Kane, Lisa Whittle, yep. some good eights. Jessica Conley yes. is You are eight. in good company. I yes. Know. I know. I love it. I love um, it. What is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Oh, popcorn. Ooh. So like there's something so childlike and joyful about popcorn. Like you can't be sad and eat popcorn at the same time. Yes. You ever seen like a crying person eating popcorn? No, you that's like, you so can't. good. Because there's like the, the smell is joyful, the act of the sound of the popping, like the I crunch of the kernel. Like they're fluffy. It's like fluffy kernels. So yeah, popcorn every I time. I love that. I love that so much. Every time. When mm. I'm sad, my husband even knows. He's like, you want some popcorn, sweetie? Oh, that's <laughs> the sweetest. He even learned to make kettle corn, which is like oh, even better. Oh best. my gosh. Like, he'll make it on the stovetop and stuff. I'm married. I, I definitely married out of my league. He's pretty awesome. I love it. I did too. <laughs> I 100% married out of my league. Uh, and the last one is, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Oh my gosh. I, so I like house hunters international is my jam like that's pretty much all i ever watched but we just we just finished watching season four of schitt's creek (gasps) oh my gosh wait okay have you seen this show it's my favorite television show it's the best television show ever ever it is the best comedy ever ever i am i'm completely obsessed um i didn't even realize the season four had happened until a few days ago and as soon as i saw it i kind of like from every from the minute I got like home from work at night until like the minute I fell asleep was watching Chit's yes. Creek for like three days straight. Oh, and I'm and now so I'm just good. sad it's over. I'm just sad like like I need another season now. I think it's, we get another season like Jan- January maybe. But January's not now. Is no, the absolutely, a hundred percent. I need to know like what is happening with Alexis. What is happening with David and Patrick? Like I need answers. 
like I feel like I need to know like are like is everyone gonna get married like I just there's so much they're so so invested I'm so so invested invested in their lives and I'm trying to talk like them like I'm I'm working on Alexis Alexis But Moira, like I just, mm-hmm. she, first of all, I think she's the greatest comedian of all oh, times. Catherine like O'Hara. I'm a huge Christopher Guest fan. Yes, and, me too. Um, and so to see them like in a sitcom together is just like heaven. But I like the Moira voice is it's unlike anything I've ever heard, and I've tried it, but I can't. Like normally I'm that pretty was pretty good. good. At dialects, but that I was can't. pretty good. That was a pretty Alex- good Moira. Yeah. I can't. Oh it my was, gosh, she's amazing. It's so she's good. amazing. Those Levy boys. I mean, the whole thing is just the so whole good. thing. Yeah. So, did you watch like mockumentaries, like Waiting for Guffman and all of that? Oh, like I know Sister, every word. Every word no, of. I don't just know every word to Waiting for Guffman movie. I also know every word to the deleted scenes. And in fact, when I was in when I was in college for for musical theater, I did the um the monologue stop it <laughs> parker posey's monologue where she was like <laughs> where she's like the where it's like the doll thing yes with the, yes yes so like i actually did that monologue for auditions in college because i so was like obsessed oh with oh my god my heart is so happy right now i am yeah. not cutting this and i'm linking to the parker posey monologue <laughs> in your show notes because people need to go oh watch waiting for guffman people need to watch that movie Invest I feel like in show kinda... I mean I love it I love uh, that you love those movies like oh, we just became real life friends because oh we're real life friends I every word to best in show I have yes. every word to, yeah every word I have an Enneagram highlight I mean an Enneagram I have a highlight on Instagram for Shit's Creek no you don't because I talk about it so much oh we're besties I love we're besties it. forever I love uh, it. so funny so funny. I'm so glad I watched it right before we recorded too yes so we could talk me about too it. oh my gosh <laughs> okay so thank you so much for coming on tell our people where they can find you and keep up with you and the sanctuary project yeah so um I'm mostly on Instagram you can uh, find me at Holly Christine Hayes on Instagram and then sanctuary underscore project you can uh, shop Sanctuary Project at sanctuary-project.com. And we will link to all of that in the show notes, which is confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'm going to link to the Waiting for Guffman monologue. And your show notes are just going to be so much fun. Like, the most I f- fun. I feel like I need to do the monologue for you to link to also. Oh, like, my gosh. Will like you, you please cut time out of your or- incredibly busy schedule to record the Parky- Parker Posey <laughs> monologue so that I can link to that? That would be so great. At, at, least like, at least, like, 30 seconds of it or something, just so you have my dramatic interpretation of her dramatic interpretation okay. of that monologue. Well, I will be waiting for it. And now I have full expectation of getting that video in my email. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week.
start a rewarding new career right away. Giant Eagle has immediate openings for supermarket positions, including curbside roles, get-go positions, pharmacy technicians, and warehouse workers. To find your new job and get hired in as little as one day, visit jobs.gianteagle.com.